Here we are again, another episode of Hard Shop Life. Gee, man, I'm not doing this right. This is Coach, <laughs> this is Coach Jay. This is Coach Jay. And I'm here with the G-Man for another episode of Hard Shop Life. Right, G-Man? That's right. That's right. Are you going to do your little intro? Well, we have a special guest with us today. And, uh, and and so this intro is oh, really appropriate. Bro, come on. Don't tell me that you have, you're getting a little shy. You're getting a little <laughs> shy now? Little shy. You do a little shy? Come on, bro. You do it every time. All right. Here we go. Ready? Here, here we, we, go. Go. we go. This is Howard Cosell. <laughs> Welcome to ABC's Wide World of Sports. <laughs> see, that was a good intro. Okay, and so see, let me tell you about Howard Cosell, and and, and and you people and and you people out there, Google him. He he was phenomenal. He was a lawyer. Uh, he was a radio jock down in Miami. He comes into the National Football League, and he was the star of the first Monday Night Football, and he had Don Meredith on there with him and. And Frank Gifford and I came and joined him when I retired from football. And he was a bigger-than-life personality. He was. And a genius communicator. Genius communicator. He made uh, uh, Monday Night Football without question. He oh, was yeah. better than all the rest of us. Didn't have the skills of understanding the game at our level, but didn't matter. He was an entertainer. And he was brilliant. And uh, I had so much fun. I did Monday Night Football for four years. And I really challenge you, go Google Howard Cosell and see he's a bigger-than-life human being, and you'll get a lot out of it. CG yeah, man, sure. you're, you're, you're emulating somebody who's bigger-than-life as a character. Finally, you're doing a good job, doing this buddy. For 50 episodes, finally good somebody job. understands Howard Cosell. Yeah, so Fran Tarkenton <laughs> had to come on here to let you know. <laughs> How big of a guy you were emulating. Good job, buddy. That's right. That's All right. right. Hey, I'm Coach Jay. I'm the G-Man. We've built this podcast for the hardworking men and women of the automotive community. Some of you will listen and be entertained. Others will listen and apply. Our purpose is to provide both. Welcome to the Hard Shop Life. Uh, well, first of all, friend, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you today. We're all super excited. Um, and, you know, it's a, a huge honor to meet a great person like yourself. And to, to really be brutally honest, um, one of the things that really inspired me to really ask Amanda for this opportunity was uh, you're a businessman. You're a very successful businessman. And I know you have huge accolades in football, and, and, and it's unbelievable what you've done. But to hear the stories of what you've been able to accomplish as a business leader and a businessman and an entrepreneur, which is what we are. I mean, that was sure. our dream, um, really resonated in us, in both of us. And um, I wanted to have the opportunity to ask you, we're going to we'll talk a little bit of football. Uh, but more importantly, I, I really am focused on leadership. Yep. Uh, how people can really better lead their teams as coaches and consultants ourselves. You know, we, we, I call ourselves coaches more than anything. I don't like the whole consultant thing, but in regards to coaching, it's really mentoring players, people, business people sure. to be able to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. And sometimes they don't know how. Well, that's a good way to start here because the separation point of people in business, sports, education, politics, is leadership mm -hmm. and working well with people and understanding that no matter how great you are or you think you are or how much you've accomplished, that 
the biggest asset a leader has is he's willing to be mentored. I'm 81 years old. I've started 24 businesses, wow. made them work, doing more things, bigger things today than we've ever done. And I am more vulnerable to being mentored than ever before because I, at my age, do not have the knowledge base of understanding all the technology that's changing every day. But I need to, I need to understand that. Now, let me give your people out there a a, a visual, and let's take it to the GOAT of quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League, Tom Brady. And Tom Brady was a sixth-round draft choice from Michigan. If you're a sixth-round draft choice, that means the scouts of all the NFL teams think you cannot play. (laughs) He not, he's not at Alcorn State. He's at Michigan, and he didn't even start all the time at Michigan. And Bill Belichick was the guy that drafted him in the sixth round. That means they don't think you can play. He, the first year, didn't play. They had a guy named Drew Bledsoe who was six foot four, big cannon arm, and da, da, da. And Brady never got in. He was on the so-called taxi squad. Yeah. The second year, the only reason Brady got in the game to play is Bledsoe got hurt. Yeah. He gets in, and he they won a Super Bowl that year. And and this we're talking about maybe the greatest court, uh, 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 coach of all time, Bill Belichick. Yeah. So now he goes down to Tampa Bay, Florida, and the offensive coordinator is Byron Leftwich. Right. A journeyman player at best, right? <laughs> right, right. He's five years younger than Tom Brady, and here comes Tom Brady with all his Super Bowl rings. You know what Tom Brady said to Byron Leftwich? He said, Byron, I want you to coach me. I want you to coach me to help me get the best out of our offense and our players. So what he said, it's not about me. In business, you see it, and our people we're taught to see it. If you're leave your ego yeah. at home. Man, man, there's, just there's no home. place for ego here. It great leaders, you you want to play for great leaders. The separation point of quarterbacks in football, all of them, they come in, 32 teams. If they're drafted in the National Football League, they can all play. Yeah, They can all throw the ball. they got a brain. They can read defenses. They can do all those things. But yet we only see four or five at one time that really are sure bets. And what's, this, what's the separation? Separa- they don't even know it themselves. The separation is? They, they're leaders. They own the locker room. They're the highest paid, most publicized players, but they don't use that in the locker room. They know that these players, they need them to block for them, catch for them, run for them, play defense, get the ball back to them, and they got to own that locker room. And the only way you own any locker room or any boardroom is if you are authentic and you have their best interests, and you are their biggest supporters, and they love you because you are trying to make them better. Now, it's not a difficult thing, but in my 81 years, and I've been in business since I was five years old. Wow. And you know my first business was at five years old? I was in Washington, D.C. Paper route? No. No? That was my second one at seven years old. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Washington, D.C. But 
at five years old, there was a Safeway, Safeway grocery stores in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And I lived about two blocks from one of the Safeway stores. So on the weekends, I'd take my little wagon, pull it down there because the little ladies would go and shop at that they walked to the supermarket. Not today, but they did then. And they had those bags, so I they put the bags on my little wagon and I'd pull that wagon to their house. No kidding. No way. Now how much money did they give me? Maybe a nickel or a dime or fifteen cents? And then the paper route came at seven, but I went out and I I made money. Yeah. And I, I did something that was worthwhile so I could go buy bubblegum cards with the football players. Right. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, it's, it's not difficult. Yeah. You do not learn this at Harvard. My, my son went to Harvard. He went to Princeton before Harvard. And he comes out of Harvard. He's, you know, he's had all the great professors, all the great this and all the great this and da, 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 da. And then he got a job with a broker dealer here in Atlanta. And he, it didn't work. So they didn't want to come work for me. It didn't work. I fired him. <laughs> I paid him a salary. I said, no. I said, I said, I don't know what I spent money at Princeton and Harvard Business School. He had no understanding after those experiences how to run a business. Wow. And you don't learn it at college. Those professors at Harvard and Princeton and my alma mater, Georgia, they never ran a company. They, they, they just haven't. It's all theory, isn't it? It's 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 theory. It's not practicality. And you look at the modern day great great business people from from Bill Gates to the deceased one from uh, uh, Steve Jobs mm -hmm. uh, to Michael Dell. What's their one thing in common? They didn't. They if they went to college, they only went for a semester. They didn't go to college. Right. And and the Apple guy, uh, uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, his he was adopted, and he went to college. They saved up money for him, and he went to one one semester, one quarter of some college in Northern California, and he he came back to him. I quit. I don't want to waste your money that you saved. Yeah. I'm going to go out and start working. That's how you learn to be a business person. You go out and you learn from mentors, and you but learning never stops. But it stops for so many people yeah. because now I am president of the company or I'm sales manager of the company yeah. or I'm the top this of the company. So I must be great. And when you get to the point, sports, life, business, I am great. You're going to get knocked down. Yeah. And you could then go have to learn how you get up. That's another gift. You got to be careful getting your feet up on the desk and getting too comfy because there's somebody around the corner just waiting to eat your lunch, right? Basically, well, it, stay it's sharp. the matter if, you know, I never, I was six feet tall, 185 pounds. I was a third round draft choice. And I never was scared of competing of anybody at quarterback. Third round, they don't expect you to make it. We had six quarterbacks at training camp. Two of them were ex, were NFL veterans, and I never thought about how good or bad. I never thought about them. I thought about how do I go out and make this play work? How do I build the trust of my 
offensive line and my receivers and my running backs where they trust me. And they trust me if I treat them with dignity. They trust me if I involve them in what I'm thinking. That receiver knows more about wide receivers than I do. I'm under center to play quarterback. Now they're in the shotgun. I can't see what they're doing to that receiver every play. I've got a right, right tackle, Ron Yeri, who's an all-pro. He's he's a Hall of Famer. I cannot see, once the ball is snapped, how he's doing against his defensive end, whether he's able to block him in, block him out, block him on. So if I don't know that, wouldn't it be good of me since I'm calling the plays? It's third and one, Ron Yeri. Can you get me a yard? I included him in that. And 100% of the time he says yes. I said, do you want me to run outside your right shoulder or inside your left shoulder? That's the only Jesus I have. And he'd tell me. Because he knew which way he could take that defensive lineman and playing the L.A. Rams was Deacon Jones. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but if Deacon Jones was going to either take his outside away or take his inside away, he could tell me which way he'd, he'd, he'd take him out. I can't remember ever not doing that. Yeah. I'd get to the sidelines, Ahmad Rashad. And, and Ahmad Rashad, everybody knows him today, even though he played then. And he was a guy that the teams gave up on. We picked him up in, in the Vikings as a free agent. And he's 26, 27 years old. But I, I, took, I became his best friend because he had unbelievable talent. But I talked, and I didn't say Ahmad like Brady did, uh, you know, mentor me. Tell me what you want to do. Tell me what you can do. Tell me what patterns you like the best. Do you like the post, the corner, the this, or that? I, I want to make you better. It's not about me, the leader. It's not about me, the GOAT. It's about me making my teammates better. Now, how does that relate to, to business? It's everything. All sports does is just gives us a, a framework. We see it. But in business, so many people tell me a woman who's got a big, big responsibility in a big, big company, and she's president of a big division, and she told me she was going to leave. How could you leave this company? I hate bosses. I hate my boss. <laughs> I said, you hate your boss. Yeah, I don't want to work here. That's, they're going to lose a, a talent here, right? But people get to be bosses. And my job is to, you know, take right. the Lombardi. You know, he always gets blamed for himself. Lombardi, he yells and screams and, and drives these guys. Lombardi yelled and screamed. It was his personality. But he embraced his players. His players would kill for him. Every great coach the same. Even a Belichick with no personality. My friend Nick Saban is, has it been a better winning coach? And, and, and these are all the great, great leaders. And they're great leaders, not because they're X's and O's or their IQ. They're great leaders because they win the locker room. And if you can't win the locker room, you can't be a great coach. If you can't win the locker room, you can't be a quarterback. The separation between 
the four or five that really can play at any time period, and the other of the 32 that cannot cannot play. It's all about the locker room. It's all about leadership. It's all about caring. It's all about being transformational, open, uh, not have all the answers. And when that happens and you have that kind of rapport with your people, good things can happen. I want to turn that into a T-shirt. Win the locker room. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I love that saying. Well, that's, that's, really that's what you've got. That is absolutely the truth. Because I have coaches calling me all the time about quarterbacks. Con, I can't, you know, this guy, he can throw, he can run. I, tell, I was asking, do they study? Do they really understand the plan? Are they involved? And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Then I ask, do they own the locker room? Uh, not really. I said, then you've got a problem. Either they can change themselves to, to be able to own that locker room, or you're not going to win with them. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do that. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen one that could not own the locker room, own the locker room. Sometimes we we want to change them, right? Yeah. Right. It's hard to do. You think that's ego or is that... Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, we all say, what's the reason for that? Yeah. What's the psychological reason? Does, did his dad beat him up all the time? His mother, you know... It doesn't matter. Do you come from a broken home or not broken? It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I know one thing. If they don't own the locker room when they come into my team and they don't have that right kind of thing, it's it's not about me. It's about my teammates. I got to own that locker room because I cannot win this game by myself. Yeah. I need these teammates to play for me 100%. And then it's going to be tough because it's only 32 teams. All of them share the same draft picks and this and that, and all of them have the same films to watch and strategize and all that stuff. The difference is not the strategy and the plays. Is do you quarterback own that locker room? Do you head coach own that locker room? Hmm. And if you don't say yes, yes, not gonna work. And if you and if it's no, no, it'll never work. So it's you know, Gary and I had had uh, really enjoyed one of your keynote speech speeches. And one of the things you talked about is sitting on the bench and having this, you say it, it's one of your maxims, being in desperation, right? Hmm. And the thing is, is it resonated with both of us because we were thinking and, and questions we had for you is, is when you have that mindset, what did you have to do to transfer that mindset of desperation to an entire team to get the results you wanted, not only on the field, yeah. but also in business? Yeah, in business, we're, we're taught not to feel desperate. like Right. You know, I can remember seven years old in my paper out. When I woke up at 13 years old and being the quarterback for the Athens High Trojans, or when I was 21, quarterbacking the expansion team Minnesota Vikings, later taking those teams to Super Bowls, being in business all my life. And people say, well, you know, after football, you got in business. I was in business at seven years old, five years old. And and I I, I had jobs every off-season. I built maybe 15 companies in the off-seasons. Wow. But I then and now, every morning, wake up with a sense of desperation. Of 
And that's a positive thing. I've got a reason to come to this office. Mm-hmm. I got a reason to have conversation with you guys. I have a reason to go talk to any and everybody I can to help me get better and help us get better. And how could we make our product services better for, how do we reach more people? How do we educate them and get them to look at who we are and the authenticity that we have and our really will to really help you and be an asset to you. And when you can get out of the selfish me, which if you're a leader, you got to do that. Yeah. And my focus is my teammates, both in business and in sports. And that goes to also my customers and prospects. Mm. If I, if I'm just trying to, I tell people, you know, I don't believe in selling. Oh gosh, you're a great salesman. Yeah, I am a great salesman, but I don't believe in selling. I came out of college and I went to these seminars and there's a bunch of hucksters, but they're sales seminars. And then, you know, you got a hard close, you got a soft close and how do you answer objections and how you do this? That's the whole thing. It's not about does my product really, is it right for you? Maybe it's not right for you, but I got Billy Bob who has down the street. He's got a product that may be right for you. Let me call him up and introduce you. Hmm. You ever heard of a salesman doing that? No. They want to manipulate you. And if you buy one pound of stuff, I want to sell you five pounds of stuff, whether you need it or whether you don't. So I don't go to... Historically, I don't go to sales training. So you, in your book, and, and this is a little off topic or the topics that we have, but um, just it's on this subject. In your book, you talk about you had the the, um, the ticket business where you did yeah. advertising on the ticket folders, which yeah. I thought was brilliant. Yeah. And then you said you you set up an office in the the Waldorf in New York, and you right. and, a, and a, a partner went to just went to work selling. Marvin so, Bluenstein. Back then, too, you're closing hundred thousand dollar deals. With these these companies, like without how are you doing that without selling? Well, here's how I did that. I was out of football. I was doing that's incredible. I was doing Monday night football, and I was doing that's incredible to make money on ABC. I did Monday night football to make money to invest in my businesses. I because that's what I was in since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Never stopped. And so uh, I'm on a plane coming back from Hawaii and I uh, look at my ticket jacket. We had ticket jackets back then. I was telling him, he's a little young for this. But But you have these big (laughs) ticket jackets and in that ticket jacket, everybody had to have your ticket in that jacket and there was no, no advertising on it. So I said, wow, I get back home. And I call up my friends at Delta Airlines. I was a consultant to Delta Airlines and not a management consultant. They would, I did lunches for them and this for them and that for whenever I was around the place and they gave me free airline tickets. Good deal. Yeah. And so anyway, I had a connection there. So I said, I went up to the guys that ran marketing for Delta. I said, you know, what do you spend on your ticket jackets every year? Eh, I don't know. I remember, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. I said, what if I would print your, find someone to print your uh, ticket jackets for free? Oh, yeah, we'd, my boss would like that a lot. 
And and so what's the catch? I said, well, what I'd like to do is take your ticket jacket and be able to, just like you have it, and we put an insert, and we have six pages back and forth, but just six pages inside the thing of advertising. And we'd, boy, that if you could pull that off, that'd be great. We could we could go with that. So now I've got to find a someone who can a printer who can print millions of ticket jackets every month. I didn't know. So I ask around. I'll find a guy that's up in Chicago. And I've got my little friend Marvin Bluestein. He was five foot six, older than me, smart as can be, went to Georgia Tech of all things. <laughs> that must and, have been a and, problem. And, but he was he was the <laughs> greatest personality that ever was. And uh, had great background. And he he was twenty years older than me, maybe twenty five, and he became my best friend. And he was smart. So I said, Marvin, we're going to New York City, boy. And and we found we found well before we found a, a guy in in Chicago who could print that many ticket jackets. And so we were going. He was going to. He said, I've got a sales force of ten people, and I could sell. We needed to sell. I think. We had to have 10 pages of customers, people that would. And so I said, so we we found this guy in Chicago, and he had 10 sales. We said, yeah, I, I can print that many. And we could sell it for you. We could sell it. And I think we sold it for, you know, some big number per month, you know, 100,000 a month or whatever it was per page. And so we, he, the guy said, but I can sell all the ticket jackets for you. I mean, I could sell all, I get get all the advertisers for it. I said, good. We get to July. He sold none. I get little Marvin. I said, we're going over July 4th. We're going to New York because on August 1st, I was a single dad, had three kids, and I took them for one month in August down to Sea Island. So I had to do it in wow. that time frame of July. So we went in and we stayed at the Waldorf Astoria. And I went around New York and I pitched this guy and I, all the big companies. And after about five days, we had it sold out. I think it was 10 customers. They paid $100,000 per month to da 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 da. That's how the ticket jacket came out. And I got every airline to go with the program, all in just a couple of months, every airline but Eastern and Braniff. <laughs> they all they both went broke they don't exist yeah. <laughs> and and they both went broke there was an astronaut who was running Eastern and uh, and I had a nice meeting with him I forget his name now but he was running Eastern and he didn't he didn't get it but everybody else did United got it Delta got it uh, PSA which was then out in California all of them got it and so that's how we we did that and and it was an opportunity that was there because I and what drove it was I'm on an airline, flying back and forth to Hawaii, and there was no advertising on a ticket jacket. And it worked. Man. You know, one of the things, it's interesting because I'm listening to you, and, and it just, it's just you're, you're, seriously, you're, you're as big as this room, which is fantastic, and, and it resonates. And one of the things I, I think about when I'm listening to you talk is, how do you teach that? Because something that Gary and I, you know, the G-Man and I do is, is we try to motivate and inspire these leaders to be able to speak, to really engage their their employees, 
uh, their players, whatever, to, to really captivate them to understand how important the goal is, yeah. how important to get to the touchdown is, how important it is to win, right? It starts with a sense of desperation. If you don't, do not get up in the morning wanting to learn, wanting to challenge, wanting to question everything that you're doing, everything. If you're not willing to, if you don't have that inside of your soul, you better get it in your soul or you're going to lose out. Because look at the time we're in now. Time stood still when I was playing high school football, college football, and the NFL. Four years in high school, four years in college, 18 years in the NFL. That comes to 26 years. It didn't change like it is a there weren't major changes in how I quarterbacked in those 26 years. Yeah. The world didn't go as fast as it goes now. And, but I pushed the envelope because what everything that made me succeed in all those things, I was coachable. Hmm. I wanted to be mentored. I wanted to be coached. And then when I got to pro football, you know, I did, I'd call up coach the coach or, or quarterbacks that were hall of fame quarterbacks. Before I got there, and I'd call him on the phone, I'd go see him and said, teach me. Tell me what you did. Tell me how you thought. I have never felt I had it all figured out. Now, in this day and time, this is the most exciting time I've ever lived in in my life. Because you can you can change the world overnight. Mm. Just overnight. And it's leveraged by technology, but you can only get that if you really lay down. I want to get better. I want to knock the cover off the ball. I want to make life better for my customer. And I want to da 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 da. And it's when you're driven to help other people, for me, I like that. Yeah. And so we're we're taking technology across the board, and it's and it's one word technology, right? You you you, you have Zoom, right? And you have the the what's the company that brings food to your table? Uber Eats, Uber uh, Eats, or Grubhub or something like Grubhub, that. Grubhub, right? yeah. those people, you know. Uh, and 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 we have a a, a real a, a great company called GoSmallBiz.com. Right. We work with entrepreneurs. We've had it for twenty years. We're gonna change the name. I want a one liner. So I've got people. I'm paying people. Find me a one liner that people can remember. Remember, because that's modern. That's yeah. what today is. So you do every little detail, and you never stop, and you never you talk to everybody, and you ask questions. I'm just beginning at eighty one. I'm learning at a faster clip now than ever before. Isn't that fun? Or I could be down at the villages playing croquet with the old people. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Oh, I, well, I, I'm working on my retirement. I'm going to retire at age 62 or age 55. Why? Why? I always I, exactly I, I, I don't, I don't. You are that I, way. You know, I, I, I just don't understand that. And But if, you, if that's your mindset, you're not going to get there. I mean, you can have a life because you're in America, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to work to make to make it in America. You can be on welfare. You know, you're not going to live in a high, but you can make it. People do it all the time. But is that what life is about? Just just to make it, just to be down and play croquet with the seniors. I have a nephew. He was he was uh, 20 years old. He was he wanted to be a police officer. Yeah. And uh, I asked him. I said, "Well, what? Why a police officer? Why? Do you, oh, because of the retirement." Yeah. I can. Re- I'm. All, you're 20 years old. What are you thinking about retirement for? Well, and, the whole and, life. And, and in New York City, when I was there, I I, I knew a lot of the policemen. I, I respect the policemen. 
across the board. Yes. And they sure. could retire at 50, 51, 52, 53, and they got great pensions. They took another job. Yeah. Yep. But most people don't, it doesn't become their heart and their soul. Yeah. If it's just a job, I got kind of, to get them to go to work. You know, here we have this pandemic, and I've got a house away from here that's five miles. And I, so we shut down for a few months. And I worked. I made it work. I got on the phone. I'm talking, asking, and this. But now, you know, the last three or four months, I'm here every day. Our people don't have to come here every day, but I need to be here. I need to be here to feel the vibe. Yeah. Man, I, I just about I need to feel the vibe, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I go home at night, I am not exhausted. I am, like, charged up. So I get a, you know, I got a beautiful, wonderful wife of 30-some years, and she happens to be the greatest cook in the world, and I come home, and I'm so wired. I get me a martini, and she gets a glass of wine, and we sit down for an hour to hour and a half before dinner and talk because I got to release it. I got to just – and so it's it's fun. So I'm here every day and trying to do what? Make life better for my customers. Make life better for the people that are my partners here in our in our businesses. You know, and, now that you mentioned that, friend, one of the questions I had for you, and you've been talking about ta- technology and you're a big yeah. innovator and you, you, you're, you've, you talked about those things. One of the questions we had is, one of my favorite maxims you had was, Mich- the mission of business is to help people. That's it. To help people. Do you think in today's age of technology, has any of that changed? Or has the fundamental still stay true to you today as it was years ago? For me, that's the mission. For too many people, the mission is to make money. Right. Me, the byproduct is making money. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And and you'll feel better about yourself. But but there's a thing, you know, all all business people, they're bad. You know, I'm I'm a politician and I'm for the people. And we're bad and they're right. Washington is corrupt, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 Republican or and, and Democrat. Right. Nobody leaves there without money in their pockets. Right. And and and, and the American people are out here are, are don't understand that. They they had hard right or hard left rather than say what's best for America. Right. Yeah. What's true. best for what's best for my customer? What's best for my business partner? What's best for my friends? Right. And when it's when that becomes the focus and we get it out of us. Selfish me. I don't want to be selfish me. I want I want to go share my knowledge, share my partnership, help solve problems. Yep. Help make things work. That's that's the mission of business, is it not? Yeah. Somebody said to me one time, you solve enough problems and the money will come. If you solve the problems, your business is growing. Yep. And 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 so you 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 do that. And isn't that fun? Yeah. Isn't that fun? And and that's even better than football and better than sports because that's only a small time. For yeah. me, it was a long time, 26 years playing high school. But so many people, they play five years, four years, three years, and they're, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do? Most of the football players historically don't work in the offseason, don't have any other jobs. And then, and, and so they don't go anywhere. People, oh, you're lucky because you were a football player. You could go on your name. 
If that was the case, then all the football players historically would have been millionaires. <laughs> so and they're broke. <laughs> In this day and time, a big percentage of NFL players, by the fifth year they retired, they're broke. Because they got the money and, they, and the guys are coming and trying to steal the money from them. Yeah. I got a deal for you. I got this for you. I got right. that for you. And and they and and they get overwhelmed. Yeah. I've had them sit in here. They got five, six guys that work for them on their payroll. I said, what does this guy do? This guy does this. This guy does this. This guy. And this one was a, a family friend that coordinates them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. People say, why, don't, makes you, they don't, why don't you go and and do a program for the football players? Or the basketball players, or the baseball players. They don't listen. I, I, I'm not going to waste my time there. Right. That's, I mean, their ego is so big because they think I'm Jesus. You know, I, I they, they, all the people love me and they applaud me and I'm in the NFL and the Major League Baseball and basketball. Dah, dah, dah. And so I, I don't have time for that because they don't listen. And they're all in their world today. Then they're out of baseball. Guess what they do? They don't have anything to do. They didn't work in the off season. They didn't get another. You know how you learn to play great sports? Or you get to the. You learn at a young age. You do it every day. You know how you learn to do business? You got to do it, and you got to start at a young age. That's a, that's a great asset as it is in sports to start a new, whatever sports you're doing, but also in business. Get a paper round. Yeah. My my grandkids are off to college. And if they go get a job, four hours a day, five hours a day, I don't care. Then if they go there, I will go, whatever they pay you, I'll double it to quadruple it, depending what it is. And that's wow. the money I give them. If they don't do that, I don't give them any money. That's you got to have those early experiences. I, I had a paper out also. In fact, I had I ran two paper routes, one in the morning, one in yeah. the afternoon. Because yeah. I was like, hey, I'm not doing anything after school. I can make a little extra money. Sure. Um, but that I, I look back on that and all the lessons that taught me because you had to buy your own rubber bands, sure. you had to buy your own bags. Like if it rained, your costs went up because now you got to bag the papers, you know, before you could save a little money, you don't have to bag them. And I just, all those lessons, the hard work, you know, and, and what you had to put into it, taking care of your customers. Like it would, you know, if you did a really good job, put it on the porch where they wanted it to, or, or maybe you put it in the little hooks in the mailbox, yeah. you get extra tip. Like there's so many lessons that you learn from doing that. Well, well, you learn you learn from working, and this country has not understood that. Yeah, because right. we got rid because, of it. Because because what we do, if if you can go on welfare in this comp- country, you're not gonna you're not gonna starve to death. Mm-hmm. And so we 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 enable these wonderful people, much talented as the rest of us here, we enable them to do nothing. How stupid is that? Yeah. Oh, we're we're. We're taking care of all the people. No, you're not. You're driving them into poverty. And still goes on, doesn't it? Yep. It goes on and it doesn't get better. And we wonder why. Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty pretty obvious. If you don't get out there, if you don't have ambition to go out and do something and work and be responsible and and and, and uh, help people, then what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to smoke dope all day or I'm going to drink myself to death all, all day or I'm going to go out and rob banks or shoot up people, you know, whatever <laughs> right. I'm going to do, right? But, you know. Whatever fills the time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I, I, I can't, I, I, you know, I know we're running a little over time, and, um, but I can't let you go without knowing 
when you when you went and you started the software business in uh, yeah I think about, it was about 81, 82. Case is case computer computer aided software engineering. Spelled K C A S E. So what what draw you to that? Because that was like uh, pre internet, pre I mean, yeah, what, what, pre computers on everybody's desk. It was an opportunity. I didn't know any technology. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't have a history in that. Uh, but some people came to me and said, "This is a little company in Long Island. They got this. Uh, it makes sense." And they came make it, and they're going to go bankrupt, or you can take them over. So I moved the four leaders down here. I took them over, and I said, "You know it." I got people's help to say, is this got a chance? Yeah, it's good. doesn't mean it's going to work. So I worked on that for three or four years. I had four salespeople, and I was losing probably a million dollars a year. Wow. And we could make it work. And so here's the other thing in life. You cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. I cannot win football games by myself. Tom Brady cannot win football games. You can't build a business by yourself. You've got to have partners. So I am, I am sitting here in this building, and I've got a, a, a chief technical officer who's overweight, let's say. But he was brilliant. So I'm saying to him, I said, Mike, I said, what can we do to make this thing work? Because it's not working. We're losing money every month, every quarter. He said, we ought to get a partnership with IBM. This is 1982. With IBM. They were it. Yeah. yeah. There weren't any Googles and this and that. It were, if it weren't for IBM, there wouldn't be Intel. There wouldn't be Microsoft and so forth. They were the king of king, lord of lords. So IBM. So I didn't know anybody at IBM, but I read their chairman's name. And I figured he might not be a football fan. So I called him up. And I said, you know... I, uh, I, I, I apologize for calling you. I know that you're busy. I appreciate you taking my call, but, you know, I played football. I know who you are. And I said, well, I, I've got this chief technical officer here, but he's my only technical person here. And he tells me we have a product that, that fits IBM well, and we ought to partner with IBM. I, I laugh at him. But I, I just said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to talk to the chairman of IBM to say, and I've got him laughing now. And he said, well, yeah. I said, what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to just meet one of your engineers and shut this guy up. He said, okay, I'll arrange a meeting. Well, IBM didn't have a meeting with one-on-one. They'd bring 20 people in the room, right? And they're all in their blue suits and their coat and ties and the whole deal. So I slept up to White Plains, New York, and I got my, my big chief technical officer with me. And I've also got 24 footballs. So I use what assets you have, right? Right. And so I went up there, and here they come to this meeting, 24 of them, in their blue suits. And I know they're saying, why am I having a meeting with this guy who's a jock? He doesn't know anything about technology, and he's right. I didn't know anything about technology. So I come up, and I have stopwatch stop with me, and I got my man there. And I said, you know, I know that your chairman told you to be here. And I, I don't feel good about that. But I'm only going to be here for 30 minutes. And I got a stopwatch here, and I'm going to turn that on right now. And I've got 24 footballs here. If you've got kids or grandkids, and I'm going to personalize these 
after the 30 minutes and you take them home there, it won't be a total wasted period for you. And with that, let me let my guy talk. So he talks. 30 minutes, clock goes off. I said, thank you very much. This has really been great. Uh, I would like, uh, uh, like to offer you these personalized balls and I'll do that. No, no, no. We want the balls. But we'd, we'd like to ask more questions. Stayed there another three hours. <laughs> wow. And we were doing about $2 million a year in sales and losing probably $1 million a year. And so I, uh, we'd like to come down and see you. Well, they, they come down, they'll come down. In this building we're in right now, Tower Place, right here in Buckhead. So it, they don't come down with one or two or three. They came down with 24 people. And they raked us over the coals, but they were nice and da-da-da-da-da, showed them everything. Da, da. So John Akers, the chairman of IBM, calls me two days later. He said, we want to partner with you, but we would like to have an equity in your company. And how much money would you like to put in our company, John? He said, $10 million. I said, $10 million. My company's not worth anything. We lose money. I cannot let you do that. Well, we no, we want to be an equity partner in this. And we want to put $10 million into it. I said, okay, you tell me what percentage you want of that $10 million. I'm not sure it's worth a dollar. But you tell me what you want. He said, give us 20% and we'll give you $10 million and let's go. And we'll sell your, your products all over all over Europe and all over the United States. We went from one or two million a year in sales to 129 million in sales in two years. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Now, you, and I've every business that I'm in, I've got partners. And, and if you don't have partners, you cannot scale. So my partners are big companies. I won't name them now. Don't want to embarrass them, but big companies, the biggest companies in the world. And they come here to work with us on projects that helps small business entrepreneurs. And we are knocking the cover off the ball and doing things that I never thought would be possible. But we're helping entrepreneurs, small business people, be able to get in front of more prospects and convert them to customers without having a $8 billion budget that they can't afford to get television, radio. Nobody listens to radio anyway, right? Right. Not anymore. <laughs> and so so you gotta you gotta have a digital platform. Right. Well, you gotta have a digital platform. You better have somebody in Fang that likes you. Billy Bob down the street cannot give you that's gonna go out and do what you need to have done, right? Right. Yeah. So uh you gotta have partners. And but so many people don't understand that. Because they think partnership, what can you do for me? Not what I can do for you. Yes. Right. And so as I did my negotiation with IBM, it wasn't, here's what I want. Tell me what you want. And and I and I told John Akers, you make a bad deal. This is not good. But it was a good deal. <laughs> because they made money as well as we made he money. He definitely saw something. Like he saw Must the is. genius in it. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. I know. 
That's absolutely there was, a, there was a show on television called That's Incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never missed an episode. Yeah. You had something to do with that a little bit. John Davidson and Kathleen Crosby and I did that on Monday nights for five years. ABC. Yeah. It was one of, I, honestly, when I was a kid, it was one of my favorite shows. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it very, immensely, immensely. I will give you one more. I, I was the first sports guy that ever hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I love that. I saw and, that. And that was, the, that was the, you know, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. Uh, Bill Murray, yeah, and uh, all the great women that were on there, and um, and so I didn't know anything about television, and I'm going to be the MC for the night, and it's live, Saturday night live, live, and so we went through a rehearsal uh, the before uh, that same night after practice for two days, and we got through half the show, but they wanted me to do uh, five. Uh, uh, deals to, and uh, I didn't know how to do them and I had a um, monitor and all that stuff so I got Bill Murray I said Bill I want you to do each one of these five uh, episodes that we're going to do and I want to see you do them like you do them now I cannot do them like you do them but I need to see a visual of how it's done and how it's done and that's how I got through it and it was a great rated Show then they had reruns and and the thing and the thing worked, but it, there again, what did I do? I got mentors. Yep, I got somebody who knew what they were doing, who could coach me to be able to not make a complete fool of myself on Saturday Night Live, and I went for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and so that whole thing. If we leave your people with one thing, be willing to be a, to be mentored. Never think you got all the answers. You've got to be coached every day. You've got to be able to progress every day. And you need to be able to reach out to people who can mentor you, even though your name is Tom Brady, you've won eight zillion Super Bowls, and your coach is a journeyman cornerback, and, he, and he's five years younger than you, and you ask him, Brian, coach me. That'll help make us better. Man. Can't end, dude. That's that's the best. You can't. You got. You got. Just drop the mic. It's over. Like this episode's over, bro. Like I'm not gonna ask anything else. Like that was it. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Wow, that was incredible. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm done. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, this is it. A hard shop life with uh, Coach Jay and the G-Man, with special guests, Mr. Fran Tarkenton, the legend, Uh, incredible businessman. You guys got some really amazing insights, and so. Thank you so much, Fran. Like, it is an yeah. actual honor. Uh, incredible. I want to give a huge shout out to Amanda, uh, who made all this happen. Thank you so much for trusting in us and believing in JDI to give us an opportunity. And let be- me give you one more thing. Amanda's here. <laughs> the best business people that I've worked with in my life are women. They're better than us. And so you women out there, get in the game. Yeah, because right. you'll make this a better country. You'll make your companies better companies. And for you bosses out there, <laughs> recruit more women. Yes. I agree. 100%. 100% agree. 100%. 100% agree. Well, that is hard shop life. We'll get you guys on the uh, other, on the flip side. But uh, again, Fran, uh, Amanda, the team here at Tarkenton Financial, thank you so much for everything you guys have done. Uh, the Tarkenton companies, all yep. of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thank you for everything, and we appreciate it. Uh, and I think that should yeah. be it.